This is episode three of Fam Life with Phil Gomez on the Rising Man podcast. Our guest for today is Efren Reyes. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Fam Life, where we talk about all things relationships, lifestyle, and really focus on amplifying the voices of people of color. Our guest for today is Efren Reyes, who is the founder of Latino Dad Connection, an organization dedicated to raising awareness and support for Latine fathers. Efren's mission is to inspire fathers to live legendary lives and create meaningful connections with both their partners and their children. I always love rapping with dudes that are committed or focused up on supporting other men, specifically fathers. It's definitely my true belief that strong families create strong human beings, which make stronger communities and in turn make the world a better place. In this conversation, we go over so many different things, but most notably Efren's ability to sustain his nine-year relationship with his wife, how he's been raising his two daughters, and what really drove him to focus on working with Latine fathers. That and so much more, so make sure you stay tuned till the end of the episode. Before we dive into the conversation, I really want to shout out all my fathers out there. You're doing an amazing job. I know it's not easy being a dad in this day and age. There's just so much uncertainty in the world, and it's really just difficult maintaining that balance between relationship with the mother of your children, relationship with your children themselves, and then really maintaining and pursuing your mission and passion in this world all at the same time. I know for myself, it's a crazy juggling act. I drop balls many, many a times, and I really wouldn't be in the space that I am now if it wasn't for the support of other fathers. So if you're a dad that can relate to that, I really want to invite you to our community, Father to Father. It's a community of dads that are committed to supporting each other. It's a place where you can bring difficulties that you're having, whether it's in relationship or whether it's with your children, and really propose questions to the community, and you'll be surprised at the answers you get. At least five to ten other dads have been through the same exact thing, and in fact, they've probably found some sort of solution that actually worked for them. So not only is it emotional support, but it's actually logistical support, which all men love and really finding ways to help navigate this journey of fatherhood in a way more supported way. So I invite you to father to father. Come join this community. Come get fathered by other men. Come be seen by other men and really get the support you need so you can be the dad that you've always dreamed of being. All right. Without further ado, here's Efren Reyes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of Fam Life. Today, I got a special guest, my friend, Efren Reyes, who's the founder of Latino Dad Connection. And I met this man not too long ago, and it's something special when you cross paths with someone with a similar mission. Uh, There's something very exciting about that, and that's how I felt when I first met you, Efren. So go ahead and say hey to our listeners and uh, introduce yourself, man. Yeah, brother. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate you just, you know, giving me the space to share my story. Like you mentioned, you know, my name is Efren Reyes. I live here in Southern California with my wife. We've been married for nine years now, together for about 13. And I have two beautiful daughters. One is five and one is three. And yeah, I'm the founder of Latino Dad Connection, uh, which our mission is to really inspire and support uh, Latino fathers to be the best that they can be. 
Um, the reason why I decided to start this was because when I became a father, I was looking for that support, that help, because um, unfortunately, uh, you know, I didn't have the best father figure growing up, and I, I really wanted to do the best for my for my kids. So, you know, I, I was able to find some resources, but I didn't see as much, you know, geared towards the community of like Latinos and, you know, Spanish speaking, immigrant community and all the, the things that we have to struggle with um, that maybe other populations, uh, you know, is a little bit different. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share my story. And, you know, like when I also when I saw your page on Instagram, very similar mission, you know, we're both fathers of color. We're both, you know, trying to work with men, trying to inspire men. So really excited just to, to be uh, sharing space with you today. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you being here. A lot of good stuff in the intro already that I can't wait to dive into a little bit yeah. more. Uh, usually how I start off this podcast is asking the guest, what is your uh, moral code? You know, what are what are the virtues or values that you most highly uh, regard or, you know, embody as you move through the world, as your father, as you're a husband? What are those things for you? Yeah, moral code, Dan, that, that's, that's something really interesting. Something that I really live by, um, I think, is um, and, and something that I said in all my groups is that we are all teachers and we are all students here. Like, mm. just how my daughter can teach teach me something, I can teach her something, but I'm also learning from her, right? Um, here together, we I'm learning with you and, you know, having these relationships uh, to learn together, you know, is really, really important. So, yeah, this is this is something that, that I kind of live by, um, you know. Another thing is uh, family, <laughs> you know, like in, in the Latino culture, uh, familia is, is very important, you know. And knowing like where you're coming from and really building that village, you know, uh, my, both of my parents um, came from a large family. So my mom has, um, you know, they came from a family of 10, my dad too, family of 10. So I have like lots of tios and tias around and, you know, it was really beautiful growing up having so many people that supported you. And, uh, you know, now it's like, how am I going to take that legacy into my own family? What are the teachings that I'm learning from them and not passing on to my children? Um, another another big one for me um, that I'm practicing more and more is uh, self-honesty. Uh, just being honest with yourself. Um, like yesterday, we, I had another, another interview with someone and it's like he was saying that what most matters is like, when you do behind closed doors, right? Because everybody can do something, you know, in front of the camera or whatever. But what most matters is inside the doors, you know, what are you doing, you know, and really getting to know yourself and being honest. Mm. And that's a, that's a, something that it can be difficult, uh, to be honest. And it's something that I'm working uh, working more and more towards. But those are a few of my, my values that I, I'm currently, you know, living through at the moment. I love that, man. I absolutely love that. Yeah, something struck me when you were talking about honesty and behind closed doors. One of mine is honor. And mm. uh, how I really define that is doing the right thing, you know, to the best of my abilities, um, even when no one's looking, right? Mm. So, so 
that honesty, there's something really um, unique and specific that it's not just when it's, you know, out in the open in front of people, but also, you know, when no one else can see when it's just you and your daughters, right, in the, exactly. in the morning or whatever, uh-huh. like even in that time being being honest, being honorable. Um, I really love that. I also love that aspect of uh, we're all teachers and we're all students, right? It, it takes humility, which I feel like is a big one, especially if you grew up in like a Catholic, Christian. Mm-hmm. Catholic, yeah. It's huge, you know, this humility, but I think what gets left out is kind of the other end, which is like, audacity right or that self-trust and confidence to also be the teacher and when we I know for myself when I get in relationship uh, with especially with other men where there's this comfort and switching back and forth between teacher and student mm-hmm. I feel like it's really the most dynamic um, and fruitful relationships that I have yes yes definitely yeah man when Perfect, man. So I want to go back to the introduction, right? And I want to talk a little bit about Latino Dad Connection and, mm-hmm. you know, really starting at the inception of it. What made you want to start this uh, this offering, this program, this culture mm-hmm. for Latino fathers? I know you spoke a little bit about it, you know, in the yeah. sense of you support, but would love for you to go a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... I recently graduated uh, with a master's degree in 2020 when, you know, just as as the beginning of the pandemic. Um, So my master's degree was in family, human and family development. So really uh, studying like the importance of family dynamics, marriage, you know, parenting and all that. And that's the field that I'm in. So I currently uh, teach parenting classes and uh, you know, uh, Mostly, uh, we do a lot of the Latino community and like other communities as well. But what I've noticed is that, um, you know, once I, I, I was doing my classes, uh, mostly women would come and, you know, we're doing evening classes. So some, I know sometimes for, for dads that can be difficult because they're at work, but we're doing classes at six in the evening. And I started asking myself, like, you know, why is it that not a lot of men or not a lot of dads come, right? And um, then I became a father and I I got into, like, you know, I want to be the best father I can be. So I wanted to get some resources. I actually went through a fatherhood program myself uh, here in uh, Anaheim. Um, So it was called Dads Matter. And it was a um, 17-week program where we talked about different topics you know it was it was almost like you know it was pretty long to be honest and there was all kinds of fathers there grandparents uh you know and and a lot of some of them were like court mandated that they had to they had to show up because of court or whatever but you know I just got to learn so much from from that and I learned so much from the program that after the I was done with the program, I ended up uh, giving my resume to the director, and uh, you know I wanted him uh, I wanted to work in that, and he ended up hiring me. So I worked with that matter for about a year, and I really learned more about how to how to basically uh, promote to dads, you know, because it's a little bit different than. Uh, moms you know there's other responsibilities that dads may have that you know other struggles that dads may have that 
maybe is, is not as relevant for moms, right? So after that, uh, you know, I, I didn't see so much. I saw Dads Matter, which was open to everybody. And, you know, Latino Dad Connection is open to any dad, right? But it is focused more on the Latino uh, experience because I am Latino. Um, you know, I was actually born in Mexico, immigrated here uh, at a young age. And there's just struggles that, you know, as Latinos, we have to go through. There's also language, right? So I can facilitate groups in Spanish. A lot of them are Spanglish, you know, because we're first generation, we're second generation. And, you know, um, we're, we're talking uh, lingo or Spanglish um, that we can understand. And um, yeah, and basically this, this Latino, that connection is a way for us, for Latino fathers to work on ourselves, um, dismantle toxic masculinity, you know, redefine what a macho is and really uh, break those generational patterns that, you know, some of us are carrying um, that might not be serving us as much. So that's, you know, that's a little bit more about what how Latino that connection came about. That's incredible, man. So how old is your oldest daughter? Just to get time frame here. Yeah. So my oldest daughter is five. So she's okay. five. And, you know, I was working with parents during that time. And then uh, when, when, when I started the, the fatherhood program, uh, she was about six months when, when I started that. And then I worked from there for like about a year. I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree. After my master's degree, that's when I started uh, my coaching uh, business, basically. Mm, incredible. Yeah, I really love that your focus on Latino fathers. And like you said, you know, everybody is is allowed in, everybody's invited, but the the language we're going to speak um, and the, what the context we're going to give it in is, is for Latino fathers. And I mm -hmm. think that's really essential, you know, what I see in the men's work and personal development spaces it's like very uh eurocentric you know mm -hmm. very like whitewashed in a way and and mm -hmm. not necessarily that's a bad thing but uh, a big part of saying yes to working on yourself is relating to the person who's promoting it or who's teaching or who's mm -hmm. who's really advocating for it right because it's like if you can't relate to that person it's hard to be like well that stuff's for me too and i think okay. another really big aspect culturally is you know, masculinity, right? There's, this is a concept, right? So it's a concept that's very culturally driven. So the idea of masculinity here in the United States is different than in Mexico, which is different than in Africa, which is different than in Europe, you know, mm -hmm. maybe there's some similarities or things that cross over, but we all culturally have a different way that we um, express and hold what masculinity is. So yeah. I would love for you to speak a little bit more, you know, of the machismo and, and mm. just kind of the, the masculinity in Latino culture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So machismo, um, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, I, I'm going to talk more about the Mexican culture because that's the one that I know most, but you know, a lot of the Latin American uh, countries are very similar where um, a lot of uh, families grew up in, um, rural areas where there was farming, right? I think uh, Mexico is a little bit behind in terms of like technology and stuff like that. So a lot of 
like my parents grew up with what we call it rancho, you know, where chickens and goats and stuff like that with large families. So men would have to go and work the fields, um, which is very hard labor. Yeah. Right. Women were more, um, in, in the home, taking care of the kids, you know, doing all the housework and these roles of, um, of men and women were very defined. Men knew what to do. Women knew what to do, right? Uh, and really, uh, I think what happened was there was uh, a power, and, you know, struggle with patriarchy, thinking that a man is, you know, better than women and things like that. And you know, started kind of taking that into the home, and this machismo or inflated um, masculinity came about in the Latin uh, culture, right? It can really be hurtful for uh, the whole family, right? Uh, it, if, you know, I always talk about like the, the foundation of the family is the marriage between the, the man and the woman, you know? And if that if that is not balanced, then everything kind of kind of trickles into the other relationships of the kids, extended family and things like that. So, uh, we had, you know, we grew up with thinking that as a man, you know, there's a certain way that you do things and it, you, you, you shouldn't be doing housework because that's not a manly thing to do. You shouldn't uh, show emotions because that's not a manly thing to do. You shouldn't, um, you know, like the big one is emotions. I think that's the big one in, in, in the gender roles, but um you know, we know that now it's a little bit different. You know, we're not living in those types of environments anymore. You know, now it's like both men and women have to work, uh, you know, especially here in Southern California, it's very expensive to live and and we have to support each other. Um, the gender roles are not uh, as, as, you know, clear anymore, which is fine, you know? And I think uh, uh, coming from that and seeing that growing up, it can be hard to do something different. And especially if you don't see that anybody else in your community is doing it, you know? And so what I wanted to do is be that, that person that is willing to, to do it, you know, Hey, this is a, a better way for our families to, to grow up and be safe and create better relationships because there's has been a lot of things in the past that, um, has not uh, not been as successful and then we can talk about uh you know trauma you know generational trauma and colonization have had that has affected um the mexican culture and then you know immigration too there has been a lot of uh, families that have been split because of immigration you know it can be because they you know i've heard a lot of stories where dad, uh, you know, they have a family in Mexico and dad comes over to the U.S. to, you know, provide for them, bring a better life. But now they're missing the father over there, right? So they don't have a father figure growing up and the kids grow up and, you know, they get into gangs, they get into, um, not, you know, like drug uh, dealers and stuff like that. So that's why Narcos is so big. I, I believe that that's why Narcos is so big in Mexico because, there's so many fathers missing, you know, in, in the culture. And then when the dad comes over, um, you know, sometimes he, he's loyal to the family or sometimes he finds another family, you know, for whatever reason. 
and now that family is struggling, right? Or, you know, family here, you know, they immigrated and um, for whatever reason, maybe the, the one of the parents gets deported, right? So they get deported to their home country. And now that family is, is, is uh, split up. And how does that affect that family? So there's a lot of things, I think, in the culture, you know, that, that uh, like you mentioned, you know, uh, some of the, the, the men that are doing this type of work are, are not talking about because it doesn't really maybe affect them or maybe they haven't gone through those struggles, right? So it, that's those sort of things I want to talk about. I want to bring to light those struggles that as, as Latinos we go through. Absolutely. I think the giving a voice to it and a space for that to happen, it's really helpful in the sense like, wow, it's not just me, right? It's mm-hmm. not just me that feels that way. You know, I, my, my father is Colombian. I know I shared that with you before. And it was really interesting growing up now looking back. I mean, of course, then it was kind of normal just because it's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was not, and I love my father, great man, but he was not very emotionally available, right? He like worked super hard all day long, came home, like dinner was always ready for him. Like, right. I don't think I've ever seen him wash dishes or anything like that. And, <laughs> my dad uh, either. <laughs> yeah, I don't think like, I- it's crazy, man. <laughs> you know, and that's just how I grew up and I never thought about it. And I don't, I'm not saying that that was a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe my parents had a, a, uh, a talk about what, what the roles are going to be. I, I don't mm-hmm. think they did. But uh, nonetheless, that's like what I saw growing up. And it's very interesting uh, because now it's definitely not like that in my home. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't think there is anything wrong with that setup as far as man working all day mm-hmm. and then wife stays home with the kids. As long it's, as it's like agreed upon and talked about yeah. and communicated, yeah. you know, and I think that's like the big thing now um, when it comes to gender roles is really partner roles, you know, our roles and how, how are we going to manage mm-hmm. this business of a family, mm-hmm. right? And through that communication, being able to uh, find something that works for everyone. But it's really interesting the, I guess the, I don't know, indoctrination or just like how much I've been affected by that because even though I am happy to be with the kids, to Mm -hmm. cook dinner, to clean, uh, I definitely find sometimes in my head where I'm like home after a long day of work and then I'm cleaning dishes and I'm like, what the hell? I feel like I'm doing everything around here. You know, this like kind of, (laughs) This weird voice. It's like, yeah. I, I mean, it's not even me, but it is me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, almost like this resentful um, kind of like, oh, it would be better if it was that way. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't really feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still comes up because that's what, you know, that's what I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And like you mentioned, I think there's nothing wrong with it, right? If that works for your family, great. But what happens is it it, it is not working for a lot of families, right? And fathers feel that or, or men feel like they have to have control of things and not, you know, not wash or dishes or whatever, you know, it's just, you know, whatever works for your family. But yeah, man, I appreciate you sharing that. Hmm. Yeah, man. So I want to go back a little bit to the common struggles that fathers face. You were talking a little bit how um, you were really noticing that the difficulties or struggles for mothers is different than fathers. And yeah. it seemed like, you know, you're really feeling, which I really feel this way, that the struggles that fathers are going through aren't really addressed enough. Not in the sense that the whole, uh, all of society needs to focus on poor dad, but 
you know, dads need to be vocal and rally around their common struggles so we can support each other. So mm-hmm. I'm curious for you and your work, what are the common struggles that you come across? Yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, for that question. Um, so my work is really focused, I call it like the six pillars of uh, fatherhood. And one of them is physical and mental health. Uh, so, you know, in the Latino community, you know, there's a lot of uh, disease of, you know, diabetes and other things because of our diet and things like that. But um, also because men uh, have a hard time going to the doctor, <laughs> you know, we like, like George Lopez would say, you know, I don't go to the doctor because they're going to find something wrong with me, you know, and <laughs> it's true, right? Like we have this fear of going to the doctor because uh, we feel like, you know, they're going to be, they're going to have, they're going to tell us uh, there's something wrong with us and uh, the mental health aspect, right? Um, you know, like, why am I going to go to the therapist? Because estoy loco, no estoy loco, you know, like the, the whole uh, mental health stigma. So that's one, right? With men. Um, the other one is um, healthy sex life. So, you know, as men, we have a, you know, a lot of us have a, high sex energy that we were not taught how to manage or guide in, you know, from an early age, you know, from when we were teenagers. And personally, that has gotten me into a lot of trouble, you know, whether it be cheating, whether it be pornography, whether it be, um, you know, other stuff like that. And didn't really have a guide for someone to help me through this, you know, and that's a struggle that you know I feel like women don't don't do get uh, have to deal as much. So that's another uh, focus that I I you know want to talk about within my within my work. Another one is the aspect of money. You know how do we manage money? You know how do we make money, right? And um, you know financial education and stuff like that. Because as as men, we have an instinct to provide for our families and protect our families. Yes, that has to do with the financial aspect, right? How are you spending your money? Are you investing it? You know, are you creating assets? All that. Another aspect of of you know, Latino, that connection is um, that father-son bond, father-daughter bond, you know, father-children bond. Because if, for example, for me, I didn't grow up with my father being too involved in my life, right? He was there, but he was he didn't know how to be there emotionally and, you know, just guide me through things. And we know from research how much that plays a part into the child development, right? They're, when the father is involved, they are, uh, children are able to, they're more likely to go to college. They're more likely to get better grades. They're less likely to attend or, or go into the criminal system, less likely to have sex at an early age or unsafe sex at an early age. So there's so many benefits from the father being there, right? But if you didn't have that role model growing up, then how do you know how to create that? And for a lot of, for me, you know, I'll talk for myself, it has been difficult sometimes, you know, creating that bond. So I had to be very intentional of being present with my children. And then lastly is, uh, I think I talked about it uh, earlier, is the relationship that you have with your significant other or if you are not together, that co-parenting relationship, right? Because you're still going to have to deal with 
mom in, in one way or another. So how can you, as a, as a dad or as a, as a man, take ownership of that relationship and have a, a, a healthy or even just cordial relationship so your children can have a better uh, environment where they can grow up. So those are some of the core pillars of like what I, I, I like to bring to, to men and just to talk about and, and see where they're at in, the, in those areas. Those are those are really really good. I think they encompass a lot of the the problems that I've seen, you know, or mm-hmm. heard from fathers that I've talked to. Um, out of all of those, which would you say has been the most difficult one for you, or the one maybe not most difficult, but the one you've had to work at the most? Um, the one that I would have to work at the most, I would say, um, there's probably two. There is. Uh, relationships um, you know it just didn't was not taught how to have a healthy relationships it's something that I'm learning as I go uh, with my wife you know trying different things uh, I just bought like a, a couple's journal <laughs> you know something that uh, like I've never heard like my any of my tios or you know anyone kind of do something similar to this right um, so this is something new that is for me and for my wife. And, you know, this is something that we're trying out where we're writing to each other and expressing each other's feelings and things like that. So that's, uh, that's been a big one. Um, that's actually why I probably came into this, this work. Um, I'll give, I'll, I'll give you a quick story where, um, right before I had my daughter, maybe like about seven years ago, I was in a very uh, toxic environment in a, in a bad place. Um, I was drinking a lot, you know, uh, I was, I, I was actually cheating on my wife at that time. And my wife ended up, you know, uh, catching me. And it was this big moment where she just had it. And, you know, I was about to, we were about to get a divorce. She left the, the apartment, um, for two weeks and I just had those two weeks I you know I just had to like contemplate and like think about what did I do my decisions how do I want to move forward do I want to continue with my wife or do I want to you know end it and do my thing and things like that and um she didn't want to talk to me at all after those two weeks I we ended up meeting at a park and she had a whole list of things that she wanted. Like, yeah, you want another chance? All right. Well, here's a list of things that you have to do. And it was this huge list, you know. And um, she, one of them was like, you know, you got to change your phone number. You got to uh, change your career and go into the, in the different job. At that time, I actually uh, owned a party bus. And, you know, I was more into like the party scene, I guess. Um, so he's like, you got to sell your business. You have to change your social media. All these things, you know, one of them was also too, like we had to go to couples therapy and mm. I was like, oh man. <laughs> so that was like the turning point for me, right? Because before that, I was just going through the motions basically. You know, obviously I thought about it and then uh, I ended up like, you know, saying, yeah, let's do it. At, at first, I didn't think about it too much, but then the work had to be done and I struggled, you know, because that's all I knew. But I also knew that I wanted to save my marriage. So I had to do, you know, I had to go through some of those, those steps that, that I, I mentioned. And I think if it wasn't for that, for my wife, like setting that boundary with me, I would 
probably you know not be even here not talking to you you know because that was like the turning point of like shit i'm really fucking up right now you know mm -hmm. so that has been a, a struggle for me the relationship aspect um i feel like I'm, i'm i'm a better place right now definitely not you know uh perfect but i'm, I'm still working on it so that's a big one um and the other one that i want to mention is the money the aspect of money and being an entrepreneur and trying to create money right even like when I cre create my programs, sometimes I have this feeling about like, man, like, should I even charge for this? Like, you know, especially this type of work, you know, like it's a lot of men might need or benefit from it, but they may not be financially stable. And at the same time, I'm like, no, you know what? Like, this is something that I have gained throughout my experience. This is value that I'm adding to men. So it is valuable, right? So it's just like this um, limiting belief about, you know, I don't deserve money or I don't, I don't deserve to be uh, well off. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I didn't see that growing up. Um, my parents always worked laborers jobs, such as, you know, they were never like the boss uh, per se. Um, my mom worked uh, cleaning homes. My dad worked in construction. So I didn't see that model of like, hey, money is a tool for you to to live well, and it's okay to to be an entrepreneur. It's okay to be a businessman. It's okay to bring money into the home. It's okay to charge people for your service and value your work. So, so that's another one that I'm like kind of working uh, working towards. Um, you know, it's been a work in progress, but I think those are the two like that have been uh, the hardest for me. That's a huge one. I, I definitely want to jump into finances a little bit more, but first just want to go back to the relationship. Uh, one, that was an incredible story. And I think uh, just to, I'm just thinking about those two weeks, right? Where yeah. it's almost like, you know, dark night of the soul, where you just have to really sit and be with yourself and really ask yourself that question, what do I really want? Right, which for me has been the hardest question ever, um, you know, and it's a question that I have to ask myself over and over again. But, you know, really at that point in that isolation, it's like, what do I really want? And you chose your relationship, which I think is incredible and did the things to rebuild that. I, you know, in, in myself working with fathers, I definitely find that a lot of guys find the relationship with their children uh, to be a bit more natural, especially after, I would say after like a year. Right. The first year is a little tough because it's like yeah. the only mom. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a little tough. But especially after that, you know, a lot of guys find it a little bit more natural, you know, for younger children. Um, obviously, it gets more complicated as they get smarter and uh, more clever mm -hmm. and all those things have different different things going on in their lives. Um, but I feel like relationship is one that a lot of guys aren't expecting. You know, we when we find out our partner's pregnant, we focus so much on finances and how we're going to be a good dad. We don't realize that relationship now becomes a separate entity in the sense that there's the relationship with myself, mm. there's our family dynamic, you know, with mm. the kids, and then there's the relationship with my partner, with my wife or, you know, your partner. So if we don't switch up our focus, right, and really make time that's uniquely for our romantic relationship, it just starts to dwindle. Mm. And, uh, our wives get really upset and start to whisper their complaints and dissatisfaction yeah. with it. Um, so I feel like a lot of fathers are not prepared for that or they don't even see it and get kind of get blindsided by it. 
Mm-hmm. And then you add that on top of not sleeping much and like all these new things that are going on that you have to do as far as taking care of a, of a child. So relationship yeah. is a really big one for a lot of dads out there. So, you know, any dad that's listening, focus on your relationship. Don't, don't neglect it and don't take it for granted. I, f- I found that was yeah. like the big help for me. Yeah, no. And, you know, you say something very important because, you know, for you have a child, it's just the relationship, like you said, with yourself and with your partner. But now you're bringing another human being into it. And then it's like this intermingle of relationships. And like you said, in the first year, the the child is very attached to the mom, especially if they're breastfeeding. Right. A lot of bonding going on right there. And for me, it, you know, and like you mentioned, I think for a lot of dads, it's hard to to create that bond. Mm. Uh, for me, you know, they say like um, you got to talk to them when they're in their belly and read to them and sing to them. That for me was hard. Like it felt unnatural to do because I'm like, I don't know about this, you know. But I got myself to 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 do it, you know, especially because you know, like I mentioned, I didn't see that uh, with other dads, so. I'm like, you know, I got, I, I, I'm learning this stuff. I, I went to school for this. So it's like, I, I got to set that example too, you know, but it, it just didn't come as natural uh, to me. And after that first year, it does get easier. You know, they start walking, you can start playing more rough with them. And then uh, another thing that I learned uh, from that Dad's Matter program is that there's thing called uh, maternal gatekeeping. I'm not sure if you heard of it. No. No. So maternal gatekeeping is basically the idea that mothers have the, they keep the gate open or closed for the father. And it can be something very subtle as like, you know, for example, let's say you're changing diapers and you're like, oh, you're not doing it right. Let me do it. You know, so it's like kind of protecting the, the child, but it also is not allowing the, the dad to be involved in the child's life. Mm-hmm. So it can be that or like, let's say the, the way that we parent, you know, we, we like to like, I saw your picture, right? You throw your kid up in the air, yeah? <laughs> A mom probably would not do that, right? And moms get like, ah, it's that loco, what are you doing? That is considered, you know, it's a type of maternal gatekeeping because, you know, you're not allowing the father to just be the father and be involved, right? And these struggles, you know, can start very little. And especially if you are a, um, if you're not together with that partner, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of maternal gatekeeping there, you know, because, you know, I want to raise my child to be a certain way. Maybe the dad, it's different the the way that that parents and maybe the mom doesn't understand that. And like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, it might, it might be, you know, it might not be the wrong thing, but it's just different uh, from what the mother. So, you know, kids need both, right? Father and mother, and they bring different things to the child. Um, but yeah, that's something that, that I've learned too. As, as I, uh, that's a really, really good concept there. And just, you know, for me having the name for it, maternal gatekeeping, I think uh, that comes up a lot. I'm, I'm really curious if there's ways that you found to uh, practically navigate that, you know, especially in working with other dads. Cause I, I've definitely heard that from a lot of dads, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's um, whether it is changing the diapers or how you dress them yeah. or uh, yeah. where you want to take them by yourself right? Just a a lot of that. So, you know, practical ways of navigating that. 
Yeah, I think, like you said, putting a name to it, right, kind of helps to like understand what's going on um, and, and understand that the mom is not intentionally keeping you away from the child. What, the, what she wants is mostly just to protect the child. And, um, you know, they have a very strong bond. And they have a lot of a maternal instinct to, to help that. So being patient with that, but also educating mothers about it, right? Because I feel like a lot of mothers don't know about what, what they're doing, right? And how they can be doing better. So one thing that I, I share with mothers is like, when a dad is trying to be involved, he's changing the diapers, even if he does it wrong, just praise him. Like, hey, honey, thank you for changing the diapers. Thank you for helping me out with the kids. Thank you for doing this, you know? Praise is, is very important and then showing them, you know, next time, you know, make sure you do you do this because explaining, right? Kind of teaching the, the dad about child uh, uh, care and things like that because, you know, uh, so, some of us are clueless, you know, like myself. So it's, it's really ha having the mom guide us through that child, uh, uh, you know, upbringing basically mm. yeah I, I i really like that i think for i really like the aspect that you're saying she's not intentionally trying to hurt us or say that she doesn't trust us i think it's uh it's this hard wiring of like this mama bear energy you know to keep yeah. her keep her the child and herself safe not so much that she thinks you're a danger but you know it's like, how can she know she can trust you really? That's really what's under all of it. And so I found for myself, I would get defensive in a way, mm -hmm. you know, which is never really the answer. Cause mm -hmm. you know, for me, I, I would, if she was questioning how I was doing something, I, I took it as like, I'm incapable or I'm dumb, yes, you know, my, my exactly. own trauma stories. Um, so that never works, right? Being defensive never gets to yeah. the answer. And I think what had, what helped me is one, the reassurance of like, honey, I got this, mm. you know, and, and, you know, she, she might not just be like, oh, okay, you got it. You're good. It might be a little more like, oh, are you sure? Or she might sigh and leave the room, but that verbal reassurance of, I got this, not necessarily in like, get out of here, but more in the, you know, that, that confidence or, or assertive. Yeah. yeah. Trust me. That's one, um, bringing some humor and lightness into it, you know, cause I, in general, anytime you laugh, you kind of let go of that tension. Yeah. So, uh, you yeah. know, maybe I would like hold the baby upside down and like, do I change her like this, you know, or, you know, do something <laughs> like that, yeah. uh, which I found that that was really helpful too. And then this is like a little bit bigger, but also helpful. We had a conversation about family core values, right? So what are some of our values as a family? Mm -hmm. So in, in being able to agree upon those values of being, you know, adventurous, um, prayerful, uh, fun, um, and having like ritual, you know, dinner every night, those sorts of things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in coming back to that, we were able to have this conversation that we can want and be working towards the same thing and our paths to get there might be different. Right. right? So, right. So maybe for me, adventurous might be like, if my son wants to go outside in the snow with his shorts on, like, you know what? He's going to be okay. I'll let yeah. him go. 
And maybe yeah. adventures for her is like uh, we take a vacation every year, mm-hmm. right? So either way, it's like I can't make her wrong for that and she can't make me wrong for it because we both are actually want the same thing. It just looks a little bit different for us. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that, man. And I think you hit a big point where you said like getting over that defensiveness, right? Because it's our, our our instinct immediately, right? Like, well, you think I'm dumb. I, I'm not capable of doing this, you know? uh whatever uh so i think if you get if you're able to get over that hump um whether it be through humor whether it be through like communication hey honey you know trust me i got this you know if not you know and also being able to take feedback like you know show me how to do it you know like it's cool you know we're we're learning <laughs> we're new parents you know we're not going to get this uh 100% so and also just you know the family core values I man that's huge man that's something i think I, I i need to like sit down and do i'm sure you guys will find in the conversations that you've been together for 9 years a lot of similarities yeah. there right mm-hmm. so i think uh but nonetheless it it's a really good one to have and we're due for it again you know i think we had the conversation when my son was like first born um, and that was, you know, over three years ago now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's time for us to revisit it. Um, perfect. So I want to go all the way back to finances. Mm-hmm. Now, I love seeing young fathers like yourself who are pursuing their mission and, uh, you know, really doing this entrepreneurial thing with young kids and a family. Um, you know, it's something I'm doing as well. And it's hard as hell, man. It is yeah. really, really difficult for me. So, you know, I just want to talk about that a little bit. How do you balance um, being a man with a mission of helping other fathers, uh, tending to your relationship, taking care of your young children, uh, Mm -hmm. making sure you guys are financially stable? How do you navigate all that? Uh, Yeah, man, it's it's, it's been a difficult uh, journey. Um, Like you mentioned, being an entrepreneur and trying to provide for my family. First of all, I think it's important to have that communication with your wife and share that vision that you have, right? Like this is the, this is the vision that, that I have. This is why I'm doing this. I'm doing it for myself, but I'm also doing it for the family. So I am going to have to sacrifice certain things, right? I'm going to have to sacrifice family time. I'm going to have to sacrifice money. I'm going to have to sacrifice, um, you know, time that we would have together, maybe vacations. Like there's a lot of things that as entrepreneurs, we've sacrificed because we have a bigger vision and we know where we're going and we know what we can provide to the world. But I think if you don't um, talk to the, your partner about it and they don't understand why you're doing certain things, they're going to think that you're just, you know, kind of don't want to spend time with them. They, they, you'd rather, you know, do something else. And a lot of times uh, as fathers, we are doing this because of our family, right? Because we want to provide for them. So being really clear about that, I think is, is really important. Um, and uh, also because family is important, having those times of quality time, um, you know, I, I have a, I have a full-time job. I'm, I'm doing this business. I have two daughters. Uh, so one of the things that I've learned is quality time is really important not necessarily quantity because, you know, I don't have a lot of time, you know, but when I am with my family, I'm fully present, you know, something Mm -hmm. that I'm still working on, uh, fully present with them, connecting with them, asking them questions with my wife. Hey, you know, 
what was the most interesting part of your day? Tell me if there's anything I can help you with. How can I be, how can I support, you know, so just being very intentional with the time that you do have together. Right. Um, so that's been huge for me uh, in terms of like making sure that I do have a balance with that. Uh, another thing that we were talking about before we, we got on here is uh, waking up early. <laughs> you know, waking up early is huge. Like as a, as a father, for especially if you're trying to build a business, you got to wake up before the kids wake up. <laughs> you know? Once the kids wake up, it's a whole different story, you know, and like setting your day uh, straight through uh, whatever routine that you may have, you know, if it's going to the gym, so meditation, whatever, setting your intentions for that day, um, setting your to-do list for that day and see what you're going to, what you're going to accomplish. So that's, that's been another, another huge one for me. Uh, and, you know, I, I can really tell when my, my life is, is not going so well, depending on my, on my morning routine. Like if I'm slacking off, uh, you know, other parts of my of my life don't seem to to uh, be in place, right? So it's, it's really how you how you start your day is really really huge. Um, so those are a few things I think. Yeah, those are really really good ones. Um, yeah, with that morning routine, it's like it goes back to the physical and mental health. It's like if you don't take care of that, how can you how can you take care of everything else, right? That's the exactly. foundation of everything. Um, you know, and then this. Uh, David Data, The Way of the Superior Man, he talks about a man's mission being more important than anything, including his family and his children. Mm. And uh, mm. I always had a really tough time with that one. Not yeah. because uh, not because I thought he was wrong, but I, it's it's there's there's a balance, right? Because mm. obviously, if you always put your mission before your your family and children, you're going to lose them in yeah. a way. However, um, there our mission, especially when it's tied to service and actually making the world a better place, um, you know, it, it's going to require some t- sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And I've been guilty of this. And I know other dads who are entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are guilty of this as well at times is I work really hard, you know, the full-time job, the passion project slash mission. And, uh, there's like this saying, give the world my best and come home and give my family the rest. Mm. Right. So it's just get like, so um, I guess I don't want to use the word burnt out, but it's just like you're using so much energy that by the time you come home, it's becomes really difficult to give that actual quality time with your family presence, the best of you. Um, And so I've definitely found for myself, um, it's not so much about quantity Um, even though quantity is really nice, but it's just not a luxury that I have, but that quality is super important. So really making a huge effort that when I walk in the door, when I come out of the home office, that I'm going to give my family just as much as I give a client Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. give a group that I'm running or Mm -hmm. a podcast interview, that same level of enthusiasm, care, focus, all that is going to go to them as well. Yeah, no. I completely agree. Completely agree. And uh, that quote that you mentioned, uh, man's mission, I think you said a man's mission is bigger than its family. And uh, what was the other one? Like it's Family is, yeah, wife and children. Yeah, I, I do believe that. You know, I do believe that because um, our children, you know, being a father is a big part of who I am. But 
children are temporary. You're, they're gonna they're gonna grow up and they're gonna do their own thing, right? They're gonna leave. Um, but your purpose is gonna be with you forever. Your your mission, you know, and what the legacy that you want to create for yourself. Now, like you mentioned, we do have to create that balance. You know, it, it's not that we're gonna put our business first or our, our, our passion for it. it really goes hand in hand and really being um, intentional with both. Um, and again, communication, right? Communication is huge uh, for me, like letting my, my wife know like, Hey, this is what my schedule is going to look like. Cause my schedule is all over the place. <laughs> I have things going on every, all the time. And it's like, this is what my schedule is going to look like for this week. Like, where can I support you? How can you support me? You know, we're in this mission together. Um, and, uh, you know, how can we move forward uh, with that as well? Yeah, the schedule, if there's one thing that we'll go to couples uh, counseling for, it's my schedule. Because uh, traditionally, I've been really, really bad at keeping like a tight, sharp, up-to-date schedule. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, it's it's so dependent upon, you know, with both of us working in that, like it's got to be good. And yeah. oh my God, so many times, it's not in the schedule. Are you kidding me? You know, yeah. so... It's a huge one. That's a big part of communication and, and making it all work. So I just mm-hmm. had a laugh to myself when you, when you <laughs> schedule over there. That's hilarious. Awesome, man. Well, there's one other thing I want to talk about, and it came up earlier, and this is something that I've seen happen a lot. Um, our relationships with our father uh, affecting how we father. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like there's so many men, especially in like, Latino black communities who didn't have a father figure very present. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's this aspect of, you know, maybe it's doubt of not being able to be a good father. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't have the blueprint. I didn't know what to do. Or, you know, my father was this way and I absolutely do not want to be like that, whatever it Mm -hmm. may be. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how is, how do you work through that with men? Yeah, that that's interesting one because you know I'm working through that myself at the moment. Um, just a little background about, like I mentioned, my father was not very present. But uh, one of the things it was because he had a problem with alcohol and he was an alcoholic uh, growing up. So, you know, that affected his mental, physical capability of just being there. Um, and then growing up, like when I became a dad, I didn't know how to, you know, like you mentioned, I didn't have that blueprint of how to be a, a good father. So that's why I decided to seek resources and stuff. Recently, I have just um, kind of explored more of my relationship with my father uh, because I feel like a lot of things too, what happened was I created a picture or an idea of what my father, who he was through my 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 mom's lenses because she would share so much of the things that he would do or not do and stuff like that and uh it was just creating this idea of like oh this is my father blah 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 you know and then um uh, thankfully he's still alive and I'm, I'm still working on the relationship with him i wanted to know more like okay who is this person you know who is this guy why did he why is he like that you know so I actually uh, wrote him a letter uh, last year um, and that was like a forgiveness letter. And in that letter, I, I told him uh, what well, was titled, um, uh, 
man, I'm going to get emotional, but whew, I, I told them, I forgive you for what you didn't do. And it was more of like, um, not that, not that he did something like he was not violent towards us. He, you know, he'd hit us with the bell like a couple of times, but it was no big deal, but it just, he was not present, you know? And there was a, there's a, there's a, a father wound that I was trying to fill there. So I needed to write that letter for him and I gave it to him. We actually went to eat tacos, you know, and just like, I wanted to hear more about his story. And like, I want to know, like, you know, what, how was it for you growing up? Because he was not, not like very expressive of like talking to, to about his childhood and um, how, he, how his father was with him. And, you know, we're talking about generational trauma and I wanted to know more about that. And, you know, he talked to me about it. He mentioned that he basically grew up in the streets. Uh, both parents would work. His dad also had an alcoholic problem, um, would have to get into fights, prove that he was a man, uh, would have to steal to eat, um, you know, just to eat for the day. And um, basically grew up like that, you know, experimented with many drugs uh, growing up, something that he never talked to me about. Um, I, I thought it was just alcohol, but it was, you know, other things that I, I didn't know about. And then, you know, that relationship that was with how he, he had that relationship with his dad that he mentioned that really when they would hang out was when they were drinking, you know, that was the only time like they would go to a bar or something and hang out there. And that was the only time that like they would spend together. So I think one very important thing as, as we address this father wound is learning more about our history, right? Where my, cause it, it doesn't start with us. You know, it doesn't, it didn't start with me. It didn't start with my father. It didn't start with my grandparents. It's just generational trauma that has been passed on, passed on, you know, but and once you know that, once you know that, you know, it's not, uh, it's not you or your father. It's just, you know, things happen like that, you're able to detach yourself from it, right? And stop playing that blame game, like, oh, it's because of you, because of you that I'm like this. And no, you know, it, it, it is what it is, you know, this is what happened. So knowing your history, but then, okay, you know, let's heal from that, go through your process, do what you need to do. If you need to write a letter to someone, if you need to connect with someone, if you need to learn more about, you know, I had to call my aunt to like, tell me more about my grandparent, like, cause my dad couldn't tell me what, you know, uh, how he grew up. So I'm like, okay, I need to call my aunt, learn more about his childhood, what he went through. So it was just like this discovery process. And as I learned more about my grandfather and my great grandfather, I learned more about myself, right? And like why I'm the way that I am. And now how can I move forward uh, with that? So in, 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 learning, in, in learning about your ancestry or your ancestors, it's not just the negative things because there was so much positive. There's so much resilience that, um, that they have so many great qualities. So it's not just, you know, like trauma. It's also qualities like hey my my grandfather was a chingon he worked a lot and he cared about his family you know i'm talking about my <laughs> my mom's side of the family but yeah um 
but yeah, it was just more about learning about where this coming from and uh, getting to know myself better. Incredible, man. I, I can only imagine writing that letter and then the moment that you give it to your father and dive into that conversation. And, and you said the word blame came up and I think uh, I'm guilty of this. I know a lot of men are in that space of, you know, blaming our fathers for all of our shortcomings, mm-hmm. right? Or blaming them for all the things that they didn't give us. Um, or blaming them for ways that they were. And, you know, that works to a certain point, but uh, we don't really get to learn about them as a man if we're just in this place of blame. And it really, for me, it's been the the road from blame to compassion, mm, right? Being able to that. see my father as another man mm. who had a fucking hard life or yeah. who just had things to deal with that are not easy, right? Yeah. Being able to see him from that light, uh, that compassion, compassion. Uh, not yeah. like it just makes everything go away by any means, yeah. but it, you're able to understand. And like you're saying, there's, it kind of allows the connection to the generations, to the ancestry, um, to the lineage, right? We have to be in the place of compassion in order to really connect to that, which allows for us to take action to really bring that holistic healing. Definitely, man. You said it best with that word compassion is huge. Um, and I, I do believe that a lot of us that carry a father wound go through that blame stage, right? Blaming our, or even a mother wound, like blaming our parents for certain things. But it, 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 I, I, I do believe that that's part of the process. You know, usually people go through that and then they get to the other side where they see the parents as more like about, you said, like a compassion where mm-hmm. like, hey, it's not their fault. They did their best with what they had at the time that they had the resources that they had. It just happened, you know, but now we're here. We're in a different time. We have so many more resources, so many more connections, you know, now we can do better. Right. So it's just like, it, it, it does bring back some compassion for, for our parents, for our grandparents and everything that they had to go through. Hmm. I absolutely love that, man. I think uh, the courage that it took to actually want to work on that relationship is really commendable, man. I know there's going to be some man out there listening to this that's like, wow, if he did it, I could do it. You know, I could start yeah. the process. So I really yeah. appreciate hearing that story. Yeah, and just the the way it came about and to to talk about the work that we're doing, it came about from a men's group, Right talking to other men about, you know, our father uh, relationship and how was it for us growing up. And it didn't, it was not even in my awareness that, you know, I had a father wound or that I had to do something like this to heal myself. But while talking to other men in the group, you know, I, I, I realized that, hey, you know, like I can probably work more on my relationship with my dad. And although he's not doing anything to work on that relationship, it doesn't hold me back to, for me to do it, you know, because essentially I'm doing it for me to heal myself and to make sure that I don't pass that on to my children. Right. So the work that we do, men's groups, dad's groups, is just so powerful. There's so many benefits that a lot of times 
we cannot put into paper, right? <laughs> when you're writing like a, like a, what is your group gonna, you, you're gonna get? It's like, there's so much that you cannot put into paper, like uh, that man or dads have to just experience it for themselves, right? And, and see what comes about. Well said, man. Well said. I think we're going to keep it there. That is a, that is a great way to cap it off. Yeah, man. Uh, wow. Time absolutely flies. I'm going to finish off this, uh, this interview here with two more questions, all right? Sounds so good. I want you to just take a moment, close your eyes, and I want you to go 20 years into the future. 20 years from now, both your daughters are grown up. They're pretty much independent. They might call you every once in, a, once in a while for some help, but pretty much independent. And your daughters are having a deep, meaningful conversation with someone, one of their really good friends. And their really good friend asks them, how would you describe your father in three words? How would you describe your father in three words? What is your desire? What is your wish? What What do you hope those three words will be? Yeah, um, one of the words that just comes to mind is present. That's huge, you know, like present, just being there um, physically, emotionally, mentally present. Um, the other one is understanding or, uh, you know, being, being able to... Uh, to be a good listener, basically, uh, and be able to understand their what they're going through and not be so much in my head. Um, and then the last one is fun, man. I want I want I want it to be fun. You know, I want my my daughters to remember me having a good time, being happy, being dancing, being uh, adventurous. So like fun, like I think that would be my three words. Um, you know, understanding fun and present that those are three really really good ones man and definitely a good foundation for a legacy to leave for them which you're already doing in such a beautiful way uh next question i have for you is if there is a young father that is sitting across the table from from you um young man of color just you know going through the difficulties of fatherhood what's uh what's a message that you want to share with him um, the message that I want to share with him is that he is, he is a, a good father. He already is a good father mm. because I feel like a lot of us, well, I did this myself too, you know, starting fatherhood is like, am I a good father? Am I going to be a good father? Man, you are a good father already, you know, no matter what, if you're trying, you're a good father. <laughs> Can you be better? Of course, you know, we can all be better. You know, can we work on, on some stuff? Yes, but we're starting from a good place. Um, fatherhood is a journey, is not a destination. We're going to be learning all across the way. And lastly, surround yourself with other men that can guide you through that, um, you know, that you look up to. So, yeah, that would be that would be my advice. <laughs> That's a really good message. That would definitely put the wind in any father's sails. You're already a good father. I know a lot of men need to hear that. 
Yes. Awesome, my friend. Well, last but not least, uh, tell the listeners where they can find you, how they can work with you, any programs that you got going on, any any way you want to big yourself up over here. Yeah, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate everybody that's listening. If you want to connect with me, the easiest way right now is Instagram. You can go to Latino Dad underscore connection. Go ahead and DM me there. You know, I'll answer back. Uh, if you go to my link tree through through there, you can also join my Facebook group if you're more of a Facebook person. Um, I will. I am offering uh, monthly, what I call it is Compadres Connection Calls. So where dads can come in and just talk about whatever they're going through. I, I will have some type of topic for that day and guide you through some activities. Uh, but the next one is going to be March 3rd uh, at 6.30. So March 3rd, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. You can sign up through my Instagram. Um, just, you know, I'll send you the Zoom link and we'll, we'll, we'll connect through there. But yeah, I offer mostly group coaching, which is group men's, men's groups, um, which I will be starting my next one in the end of March. And I also offer individual coaching. So if you feel that, we can connect, we can work together. You know, yeah, there's also a uh, link through my Instagram to book a call with me and we'll, we'll see how we can work together. So that's it for me, man. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you giving me this space. Efren, I appreciate you, the work you are doing for the Latino community and for fathers out there. Um, we need more men like you in this world. I'm looking forward to many more conversations and uh, a relationship that ends up in helping a lot of families out there. So I know you're a busy man. Thank you so much for making time for this today. And we'll talk again in the future. All right, Watch brother. That. Thank you so much. really enjoyed that conversation with Efren. I hope you all did as well. Love the way he talks about his wife and his children and really loved his ability to get vulnerable and just share about his personal story. I think more than anything though, really love how this man has been committed to being of service to his own community. I think there's something we can all learn from Efren, which is really taking that reflective look at our communities, really seeing what uh, what problems, what difficulties arise there or live in our communities, and then using our own powers, our skills, and our assets to actually address and remedy those problems. Such a commendable man. Looking forward to many more, many more conversations with him. Be sure to check out all the work he's doing in this world. And if you know a Latino father that could use some support from other fathers, don't hesitate to send them to Efren's way. And for all you men out there that aren't dads yet, there's still a lot to learn from these conversations with fathers. It's never too early to start thinking about how you can be the best man possible for your future children. I know for me, even before I was a father, that was one of my biggest motivators because I knew one day that was coming and I knew I wanted to be as excellent as possible so I can really model what it is to be a good man in this world for them. Hope you guys enjoyed this show as much as I did. Looking forward to being back on here with you y'all with another great conversation with another amazing guest. Until then, stay up.